I don't wanna see you again Why'd you call me here? That was wrong of you I don't wanna see you again Why'd you call me here? That was wrong of you She's Welcome to the Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. In this episode, Alex and Chris talk to two members of Velvet Bethany. Usually we cover hardcore bands, but Velvet Bethany is a band that some friends of ours turned us on to. And Chris and Alex had a chat with Allison and Mike from Velvet Bethany a few weeks ago. And uh, they talked about the band and they talked about some other interesting things, which I think you'll enjoy. Check it out. And we'll see you soon. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nickel City Soundtrack. Today we are stepping out of our area of comfort a little bit and talking to Allison and Mike from Velvet Bethany. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Mike. And I'm Alex. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Alex. Uh, Mark went camping or something, and Derek is making some magic happen with some ghosts. So... (laughs) Yeah, like Chris said, we're joined by Allison and Mike, uh, who are in the band Velvet Bethany. And uh, I guess to get things started, I saw you guys coming around, you know, maybe a little more than 10 years ago, funeral home stuff. Is that about when you guys started getting into like underground music and things like that? Or was it before that? How did you how'd you get into things? I started um, coming to shows when I was like 16, I think, uh, which was 11 years ago. Uh, probably my first show was at Mohawk Place. Um, it was a career suicide show. And then like I joined a, no, a, my first band when I was 17, because I had been going to punk shows at houses and at the funeral home and Custer and uh, the Argyle. What was the Argyle? It was a house on Argyle Place oh. in North Buffalo. There were a lot of basements. And, I was going to uh, say, like, people are very imaginative with their house show names. Custer, Argyle. Oh, where is it? Oh, it's on Custer and Argyle. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, you lived in Philadelphia during Funrama, so. Yeah, but it wasn't on Funorama Street. So <laughs> it, it's, you know, it was a little bit better than, it was a little bit more imagination there. Well, at least the, the few the house was called. Had, like, the reason why that house was called Funrama is because their actual phone number, which was randomly assigned uh, when when the guys moved in, was area code two one five Funrama, and <laughs> it was it was just this punk house on I think on Baltimore, in Philadelphia, but yeah, it was great. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, but I think I, I'm sorry. Please go on. <laughs> oh, I was never really in any bands except like one grindcore band, and then I played like a acoustic guitar in at guitar club in my school and ever since, since then I just played like solo stuff until I went through like so many 
like jammed with so many people and like I mean even today I'm just like still playing by myself huh. with Mike. <laughs> Mike has been um, playing with me for like four years but I'm still just like always playing with like different people different lineups of people and just like have like friends around and I'm just like hey you want to play this show? <laughs> um, nice. So as have, have the different records, because I know you have a, f a few records out, has it been different lineups or is the lineup been reasonably consistent between releases? They're all pretty different lineups. Um, the first lineup, like the first record, um, what was it, with like Where the Blackness Doesn't Sleep? That was with his brother playing drums and bass. And then Forever Cool, Dublin Nice was with Mike and um, Lux played bass. Lux and Vivian and then Rock and Roll Vacation was with Lux and Vivian and Mike and then our recent album Bliss City started out with uh, Lux and Vivian and Mike and then Lux and Vivian left the band and I continued to record all throughout 2020 mm -hmm. and like, wrote maybe like six more songs and um, put that out in January and did you record from home or were you going to a studio like how are you handling the recording during like the pandemic we would record with doug white at watchman studios as long as there weren't like 20 people in the band he was okay mm -hmm. with it i was sticking with him for a few years ever since we did rock and roll vacation uh, we really liked how that turned out yeah i mean that's like the unit seems to be like there's throughout the episodes there's been like three unifying factors one was mark studios one was GCR Trackmaster, and the third is definitely Doug White. So, when you guys started playing together, is that when Velvet Bethany started? Um, no, it started or around the same timeline. I mean, same same time frame, give or take. No, it was just me. Like I oh. called myself Velvet Bethany like seven years ago. What's the year is it? <laughs> yeah I, I could offer a little bit to that question um like i i've i have kind of a an opposite history of allison like i've been in you know countless number of bands um playing drums or bass and then allison started coming around and, and it was like oh we'll get velvet bethany to play and it would be allison with acoustic guitar doing her solo stuff and it was like that for like like five fun, years yeah like a long time I just played by myself until um I found other people to play with. So there'd be like hardcore bands or like punk bands and then there'd be like Allison. <laughs> <laughs> I just like roped one of my boyfriends into play a drum with me usually and now Mike is one of those boyfriends that stuck with me playing drums basically. I mean I feel like that's like the perfect like how a band comes together story like it works out well. Are there are there like hard copies of your releases or just the stuff that's online? Um, I got CDs and some tapes laying around here somewhere, but um, I just give away the CDs. Yeah, yeah. We'll still listen to those. It'd be cool to have a record. There's there's this weird resurgence in CDs happening. At least like in hardcore, there's a weird resurgence in CDs because people are buying cars like 2000 to 2005 cars, and they all have CD players. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's like I'm. What's that? You're gonna get a cranky text message from Mike Jeffers for <laughs> for making fun of CDs, calling it weird. 
I wish I could get a TV or a TV, a car with a tape player in it, or like cheering in my current radio for a tape player because I just have a lot of tapes. Yeah, Allison's car radio situation kind of sucks now. The I don't have a radio. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Anything would be better than her her current situation. Like I I have an extra. You can just have it. Like an extra car radio. Yeah, you you can just have it. Sweet. <laughs> Or you could just go old school and just put like a boombox in the back seat and just roll like that. Oh man, I I made some road trips that way. It was yeah, man. Not it was not great, but also kind of great. That's that cool. that story I, that story I told uh, whatever episode it was about my brother-in-law going across the border because there was no tape deck because there was no dashboard. We had a boombox in the back seat. Oh wow! I sometimes I think about putting headphones in when I drive, but that's kind of like unsafe. It's like biking with headphones in. So I just have this um, phenomenon for years where I haven't listened to music. I listen to it in passing, or if like other people play it. But like throughout high school, I feel like I just went down the YouTube rabbit hole, and that's how I found punk mm. and or just I listen to like local music all the time because it's just like that's the most accessible. It's mm. like oh, this person's selling a tape. I'll just bring that home and listen to it if I can if I have a device for it but I don't have like both record players that we have don't work and we just have <laughs> huge pile of records and no no nowhere to listen to them and I like tried to sell like all my tape decks and then my friend threw them out instead of you know oh I thought you didn't want them and I'm just like oh man I, I could have used those <laughs> I think I could have used those so now I don't have a tape deck I, I feel like Rob probably has a stack of tape decks sitting around someplace. Like he's he was at the very least an A track. Uh, I'm sure between like Alex and Rob, I'm sure you can get all of your like audio needs taken care of. Yeah, I feel like a lot of us have like collected audio equipment, and then we're just like these are just taking up space in a corner, and then I'm just like I could I guess I could use that like at least one of those. When I'm just like, get it out of here. It's taking up space. Yeah, I was surprised by how little of that stuff I have left. But now that I think about it over the years, I just let people borrow things and never bother getting them back. Oh, yeah. I still have enough for me. So that's, that'll do. <laughs> yeah. So before the pandemic, how was um, like locally and outside of the Buffalo area, how was Velvet Bethany being received? The last show we played was like the best show I've ever played. And because it made me realize how much the youth is involved. And it's like, they just appeared out of nowhere because I was always the youth. And that's when I realized that I was an adult and people were looking up to me and I was responsible for all these young people because the whole, it was like, we were at Grindhouse and they were like 75 high schoolers. And some of them were like 13 years old. And it's like, whoa, you just came out of nowhere because you just turned 12 or 13, <laughs> 14. So you, you didn't exist before. That generation just appeared. Yeah. And um, that's what was like before the pandemic. That was like in March, last March was our last show. What do you, what do you think it is that like attracted like kind of attracted this new generation to you specifically or or is it like a thing where these kids are reaching an age where they're discovering their own music and they're just checking everything out or yeah they already had a thing going on they were all starting their own bands and we just happened to be in the vicinity at a show playing and, and I think that they may have discovered us that day where they were already like playing with each other well I think I think we should mention that it was um we were playing with a band called Muddle and we were playing with another band called Patikia, 
and and they were sort of a, they were they're of that age like i think muddle they're of like the upper teens like 18 19 and patikia i think they're like 13 15, they're 14 like, 15 yeah. yeah they're super young so like they're they're bringing the young you know the young folks are coming to see them and then we were just you know we were just like oh cool it's a young band let's play with them yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just like an accident all really. over you know western new york they didn't all come from one place they were like people from buffalo from the city people from like lancaster clarence hamburg williamsville mm -hmm. so, yeah, there was I mean, a there was a very young hardcore band a couple of years ago called fault line they were all like 13 year old kids i think the oldest person in the band was like 18 who you was were just listening to your podcast with the whoever was in that band with mason yeah. 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 You you'd go see their shows and there would be like 30 kids from their middle school at this show. <laughs> it, was, it was wild. Oh, like, it was really cool to see though. Like it was really cool just to see these kids so excited. Jumping around. Check out something they think. The video you know. of the show that we did last year. The, if you look at the throw your stone music video, it's like all these kids jumping around at Grindhouse. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's it's always cool to see, like, particularly in hardcore and, like, punk, to see actual kids getting into the music. Because, like, I'm older. Alex is a little bit older, but not as old as me. But, like, you know, I live in New York City now, and the youngest people you'll see at shows for the most part for a while were, like, maybe, like, 25, 26. But now, like, there's this band in New Jersey reaching out that's literally high school kids, and you don't see that that often anymore you yeah. know like like kids doing bands and actually being in good bands like you know it's yeah. it's, a, it's an exciting thing to see yeah i love that i want kids to start bands and like there's this girl at my work she's 16 and she's like i really want to be in a band and i'm just like oh man i just want to like make sure this girl gets in a band <laughs> that she likes you know and that she plays guitar and she really you know does it if i could do anything for her i would i'll do anything for a girl or anybody that wants to be in a band yeah I and mean, keep stoking that flame for her like get her like get her motivated get her out there it's a good cycle because you know when you were coming around when you were you know 16 17 years old when i met you people were just like this is fucking cool this like tiny super young girl is just like hanging out with these weird dirt bags and like <laughs> yeah and, and having was, a good time but yeah, I think a lot of people supported me and now I want to give back like, you know, what was given to me, but I want to do more. I want to do what was given to me. I want to do the stuff for the people. That's a good attitude to have. You know, I think that's really cool. Yeah, the whole paying it forward. So you said that your lineup has has changed a lot. You outlined that already. But so when you when you write, is that like a solo process or is that something where you bring in the other people for for their influences or I am in control of most of the songwriting and I will let Mike write songs because I trust him to write songs um I just want to make sure that everything I'm doing is like there's no strings attached like if somebody wants to come and play the song with me and then they can leave and they, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I, mean, I, I just want to be in control of the songwriting process with people from, that I trust. From my point of view, it's like Allison 
I mean, in the early days, meaning like before like 2020, I feel like I've, I've been writing a little bit more in 2020, um, but not even half of, of the material. I'll come, I'll, I'll be like, hey, check out this riff. And I'll build on that riff. And then she'll write the lyrics. And, and so like we're sharing a little bit more of the songwriting, but it's been Allison like being like, hey, I got this song. I wrote it on guitar, I'm singing it. And then if there's more collaborators, they'll kind of put their pieces in. Sure. I wanna make sure, I, I wanna make sure nothing gets twisted like with other people because that has happened in the past. Yeah, the, the, reason, the reason I ask is that when you listen to your stuff, there, there are kind of very different sounds that come through at different times, but I didn't know if that was more, you know, what you were into at that time or if it was other people kind of injecting stuff. You know, some of the stuff is really poppy, really catchy, and then other stuff gets almost kind of dissonant um and then you know some of the weird stuff that comes in like the synthy video game stuff which that, that i would attribute to our previous guitar like lead the guitar player vivian she was um a her sound you know she had like a whole bunch of pedals i just play like rhythm guitar because i'm singing and stuff but she had like added that ambient noise to it and just played like a lot of noise stuff and um like really liked this chip tunes pedal and she uh, remixed the song forbidden fruit made like a chip tunes version of that too she was really getting into that yeah that's like her sound really added something different i think to what we were doing before because if it's just me i think i'm just writing like straight up rock and roll songs but like they're a little bit weird sometimes yeah no, I, I think that that tracks. You can. Yeah, I would. I was gonna. I, my interjection in this moment would be that, like, listening to Bliss City and listening to the releases before Bliss City. It's different, right? It's very different. But what I was gonna say is that, like, who's got the dog? I hear a dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she's not part of the conversation. She's upset. <laughs> she's got her bitch. So, Yo, what? What about me? I'm very important to all of this. Uh that the, the the this is gonna sound weird, but Bliss City sounds like a national band. You know what I'm saying? Like a band that like this is a record that I can see you touring off of. And like you know what I'm saying? Like this is this is like a a make you record, if that makes any sense. Not that the other stuff is bad or anything, but it's like this this is like this is it like i could see this as being like takes it up you know, a lot yeah yeah and like this is the record that would put you on national tours and this is the record that like you're you know you're gonna play fests off of and stuff you know what i mean yeah oh, that thanks. thank you that was that record is like me embracing my own sound and like you know before i was like oh i really want to write punk music and i need people to help me make punk music but it's like bliss city is more like it's me like as a full person it's my full sound and it's like everything that I, I think I can even do better than that you know Mike always says you're not you're only as good as your next record but I think that's like at this point in my life that is what represents my sound mm -hmm. as a songwriter and I also think that the one song that's kind of an outlier on that record is is as far as the sound of it is Forbidden Fruit which is a couple of years old right yeah I love I love recycling that song it's a great song 
I think that's like the song that people know us for, like when we play live shows, people will sing along to that. Um, and I just like, you know, messing around with the, with the synth and piano stuff, anything that we can kind of twist on it. That'll probably be the last time I recycle that song though. That's like the how, third time. I was gonna say like, how many releases has it made it to now, three? Yeah, three is good yeah. enough. Dance with the girl that brought you. If it works, keep doing it, whatever. Or walk away from it. Who cares? Yeah, I feel like you weren't super happy with, I mean, at least the the previous version of it. Like I remember we, when we finished recording it, we were, we, we did the instrumentals with Biff in his house. We did the, the instrumentals. And then we went to New York City and recorded the vocals and the second guitar with Damien. And when we were doing the vocals, I feel, I feel like I was like, oh, damn, we like ended the song early. We missed like the second half of the chorus. So when we redid it, we added some lead stuff and we, we, we kind of, we made it more true to like how we play it live. Right. Yeah. I think like there's a lot of old songs that I would like to re-record and make them like legit recordings as if we, you know, have as a full band recording as we play them live.
Uh, how has the record Puss City been received? Like, I see that you dropped it on January 1st, like starting New Year off strong. Was this, did you specifically want that date or just kind of work out like that? So there's this guy who um, basically coerced me into storing his Scientology books in my basement. And he sends me money every month. And it's kind of creepy. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know what to do. Does this guy going to like expect something from me if he sends me money every month? And he does it through like a Bandcamp subscription service. Okay. And um, he's like, he's like the biggest fan. Let's put it like that. Yeah. He's a real <laughs> lot of he contributes a lot so and so i really didn't want to release the album i didn't feel like it was cohesive i didn't have any art and he was like so you've been releasing a lot of songs this year are you gonna put out a record anytime soon and the next day i i just put it out i was feeling like real bad about it and i was just like I made, I went on Canva and I like made a stupid graphic design. Like the, the <laughs> image is so, like, I think it's so bad. Like no. I you really couldn't put that, like print that out. It would be like blurry. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I could see what you're saying from that, but I'm saying like, as far as like the graphic goes with the music and everything, like, I think it fits really well. Uh, but I, I, I get like the, you know, if the JPEG is like blurry or what have you like that, I totally get. But I was just saying like, I, I was like, I think it fits pretty well. Yeah, my state of mind when I like released that was just like, whatever, I'm just gonna, I can't like hold back any longer. I, I just got to put it out there. And like, we were featured on Bandcamp Daily. And we got, you know, a lot of streams and a lot of like, people, you know, have just messaged me to be like, hey, that's cool. Somebody recently asked me for like tabs to some of the songs, or they were like, oh, I, I looked tabs up for your songs. And, I, and like, we sat down and like, made them. He, like wrote them out and i'm just like oh this will kind of be good for us if we just have this on hand mm -hmm. the person inspired us to write our own tabs right for... right so i have to ask how did you end up storing scientology books in your basement and have you read any um no but like one of the covers was like how to manipulate people i think i flipped through them and there was like some stuff about aliens oh yeah <laughs> You know about the the weird soul, the the, the feet theta or whatever. Thetans. Thetans. Yeah. Yeah. Thetans and eaters. And... A quarter of my basement, like a whole corner of it, is boxes and boxes of books. What happened to those books? Um. Eventually, like for months, I told him to get them out, and he sent me more money, and then sent some moving guys over and picked them up after like wow a year of storing there that's like weird that he's paying that he was paying you to store scientology books in his basement like it was like kilos of cocaine or something like is there not like a scientology center in buffalo like oh there's there's one at the corner of maine and virginia yeah. he, he moved away it's huge buffalo so he, he had to leave buffalo which is like i need somewhere to put my stuff oh but still well, like cases and cases of scientology books it's like Scientology has kind of like a, an MLM sort of element to it where in order to advance and get access to more information, uh, which just gets progressively crazier and crazier, you have to, uh, you have to put money into it. And yeah. one of the ways that, that you'll do that is by sometimes buying huge quantities of books oh, to wow. show how dedicated you are. And then, you know, you'll, 
you might open some kiosk at the mall and harass people offering them copies of Dianetics or something. Oh my God, that's what that's for. Scientology is a huge, huge racket. Oh yeah, so it's very similar to ISKCON with book distribution. That like you get in ISKCON, you get more prestige with the more books you sell. Hmm. It's interesting how that works. Well, in Scientology, it's that stuff and then it's paying literally thousands of dollars to take courses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like my school. (laughs) (laughs) My classmates are all Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, you know, like difference between like education and indoctrination, but both require money. Yeah. You know, the distinction, it's a thin distinction. Your school's trying to give you critical thinking skills and Scientology's trying to take them away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So my classmates wanted me to get, are all going to get Reiki certified tomorrow from our teacher and they invited me and now I'm just like, I've never... I've never like looked into what Reiki is. I've, you know, people have talked about it before, but I'm just like, is this like Scientology? I'm not familiar with that. Reiki, Reiki is uh, laying on of hands. Yeah, it's sort of a redistribution of personal energy to adjust other people's energy. Scientology has nothing to do with any kind of Eastern philosophy or energy exchange or anything like that. Scientology is just money and blackmail. All right. Uh, So like Reiki, Reiki is a legitimate Eastern thing uh, that I I would say, yeah, go do it. You know, because it's, it's a good, like, it's a good certification to have because then you can just open up like a Reiki center anywhere. Scientology has nothing to do with that. Scientology is just like, depending on whose rumors you believe a bet to see if they could form a religion. Cool. Scientology was started in the fifties or sixties by a guy who uh, was a science fiction writer. Yeah. Who, who was trying to invent a new version of psychology. And then he, he just, uh, when that didn't take hold and he got made fun of by the psychological community, he pivoted from a psychological approach to a religious approach and he started creating all this crazy mythology about you know um yeah aliens that planted you know seeded life on earth and all this just crazy wild shit there's a ton of information out there about it if you uh if you're interested at all i'd recommend checking out the the documentary uh going clear it's on hbo max I saw it a few years ago, but it was an HBO movie. So I like documentaries. Yeah. And there's, there's also uh, Leah Remy's series that she had about getting out of Scientology and all the things that happened. And she also has a podcast about it because she was uh, deep in Scientology for a long time. And then it talks about like, she talks about when you get out of it and, and the lengths that they go to destroy your life and credibility to protect themselves. Wow. And, and she talks a lot about like uh, uh, they have, I forget what it's called, like uh, where they have these sessions where you have to like tell them like your deepest, darkest secrets, but then they use that against you to keep you in. Oh my God. And they say that that's why one of the big reasons why Tom Cruise is still involved with Scientology is because A, he's like almost top of the pyramid and B, whatever deep, dark secret it is that he has, they'll use it against him and he doesn't think he can survive it. Wow. The series he's talking about is great. I recommended going clear because it's just, it's 
you know, a bit more concise, but hers definitely goes into a lot of, a lot of detail. It's really interesting. It's very well done. Can they like file claims, like lawsuits against this? They do not against, not against like this, but they, uh, they definitely go after legally go after uh, anyone who speaks ill of Scientology that has like an actual voice. You oh, know, I mean, like, the regular people, like can, can some, is somebody out there trying to stop this, stop cults activity. It's, it's really a, a difficult legal, uh, legal approach to do that because of the whole concept of freedom of religion. And there are obviously big differences between say, you know, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, whatever versus Scientology or, you know, the branch Davidians or, uh, I forget what Jonestown's, uh, specific sect was called but there's a big difference there in terms of thousands of years of tradition versus stuff that's pretty much brand new but also from from a legal perspective not one word that anybody has ever said about anything that is faith-based is verifiable so how can you go after one on factual grounds and not the other but they also scientology is a recognized religion uh, as of like 10 or 15 years ago or something like that. So they fall under the freedom of religion, whereas Branch Davidians were not a recognized religion and Jones, that wasn't a recognized re uh, religion. Heaven's Gate wasn't a recognized religion. So you could go after them legally. That's why like the whole uh, uh, Davidian thing, the standoff and the shooting and the whole thing happened because they did go after them legally. Oh, I thought they were recognized as a cult. Isn't there like a list of like on the F FBI of cults? Oh, some some are considered both, but cult is really just a matter of perspective. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's not really my uh, my thing. Faith in general is not really my thing. I respect it if other people are into it, but it's not my scene. You know. Fair. You we're not here to talk about religion. That was, that was quite the aside. Yeah, that's quite the aside, though. Sometimes those are fun. I thought we were going to keep going down that, that but I was going to show you. Uh, I was like, oh, I got, I, got the, I got the book of secrets here. Have you ever seen the oh, Osho documentary? No, I've, I've seen the Osho documentary. I'm, I, oh, oh, all right, we're totally going down a rabbit hole here. Where did book. you get that? Um, there's this bookstore in Buffalo. Um, what's the one on Grant Street? She used to be on Allen. Talking um, Rust Belt? Rust Belt, yeah. So I was in Rust Belt. I've always been in kind of, into kind of like Eastern kind of philosophical and religious stuff and i found this and i'm like oh this is a book on tantra and meditation and it's it's, but a, it's osho yeah it's osho it's it's a it's it's like a it's 80 different techniques um towards meditation yeah i mean he just like compiled a bunch of other philosophies like stole them and then called them his own right mm -hmm. pretty yeah. much but he also so religion had, uh, he he also had um well he oh that guy's dead yeah he took over a town yeah uh, like a lot of wild stuff but in India he has a sex temple oh my god and a friend of mine went to it because myself and a few of my friends were Vaishnavs and there's there's uh intersecting ideas because it's all under the umbrella of Hinduism. So he went to the sex temple and you have to get like tested for venereal diseases before you can even go in. Oh my God. And he says that he didn't do anything, but I don't, I don't believe him. I don't believe him for a second. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
You're not going to go through all the testing and not have a good time. Right, right. Just be like, oh, I just wanted to see what it was like. Yeah, whatever, dude. Like, I don't believe you for a second. God. Yeah, I love that documentary, The Wild Wild Country. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been uh, trying to find, like, the Osho beads with, uh, with his face on it. Oh, they have those. Oh, yeah, they burned a lot of that stuff. Uh, oh. A lot of it got destroyed, so it's hard to find. But I, I always keep an eye out. You've piqued my interest with this. I'm going to look into it. Oh yeah, watch the documentary, and then like you can like check them out on you know obviously like, Wikipedia or whatever. What he was saying wasn't really like a bad thing because it, it lines up with a lot of Hinduism. But what he did was just like like how do you how do you okay. put these together? Yeah. There's some weird stuff going on in that little town. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, definitely watch the documentary. But I, I loved what they did with the, the homeless people. I thought that was really kind of interesting where they were going to like different major cities and they were they were going to the homeless people being like, we have a place for you to live yeah, for free. Mm -hmm. And and that was like the, the heartbreaking part of that documentary where the homeless people were like, mm -hmm where do we go now that this town is like sad. not existing anymore? I was like, Oh, that was like, Oh, now it's like, dark. like a Christian, like Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> that was another heartbreaking part of that. Documentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Camp. First you take away their all you can fuck buffet and then you have a place to live. Well, it seems that in, in the U S it wasn't quite like it is like there. I don't know the town like it, it's 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 just the whole the whole Osho thing is just a very interesting uh interesting avenue to explore like I, I think a friend of mine here it has something to do with that but I keep forgetting to ask him like I hear from someone else that he does but then I forget and like now I'm like it's fresh in my head like oh man I need to ask him yeah. But I know, like, I'm not going to see him for a while. And by the next time I see him, I won't remember to ask. I need to like write it down, like to ask Osho. <laughs> ask about Osho. It's got to be a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should text. Uh, what's his name right now? <laughs> anyway. Do you have any other any more questions for about the band, or like, do you want to go back to anything? Like, are there any holes that? Any oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean that was. I'm, I'm being like real big i'm like i was in the band once and now i'm not in it and there were some people yeah it was more of a really uh wandering wandering sidebar but cults and stuff i will totally dive in so don't oh, yeah. mention cults because we will way sidetrack yeah no that one was was new to me but uh a bunch of that stuff is very interesting to me as well i guess um going back like 25 minutes so you mentioned you mentioned the uh, the artwork for Bliss City being kind of you know just like a last minute thrown together thing. I find it interesting your artwork is kind of all over the place. You know the the artwork for Rock and Roll Vacation versus the artwork for a bunch of the singles versus Bliss City. Is is there? Do you guys uh, have somebody else do that? Do you do that yourselves? Yeah, I usually have. Um, I had Lux do the art for the singles that we were releasing last year and then my friend Shaw did a collage for Death Cocoon and for Rock and Roll Vacation we all made like the stuff we all like contributed towards that art like let's make a roller skate image and I wrote the letters Rock and Roll Vacation and Mike took pictures of us and uh, Vivian did the graphic design. 
I, I, I really like that one. Just, it, it looks very, it's, it's busy, but it all comes together. Yeah, there's a lot of ideas kind of coming together into one thing. Yeah, we all like collided. <laughs> it was kind of cool, our ideas. But it also kind of fits the record because the record kind of jumps around a little bit as well, you know? Yeah, I tried to write a song for everybody too in that one. And, but it was like a journey. It's like very thematic. Like you can start from beginning to end and it's like, a, you know, a journey. You know, it's it's interesting, Alex, that you say that the, the art is kind of all over the place, but quickly looking at the art on Spotify, uh, Bliss City Rock and Roll Vacation, where the blackness doesn't sleep. And um, and the She's So Mean single and like Strawberry Moon, like while the art is different, the colors yeah, tie it all together. You know, so there is a cohesion there. Try to keep similar color schemes. Um, the, where the Blackness Doesn't Sleep is actually a painting by Philip Burke that exists in my temple in New York City. And uh, so if you go in there and the, like, if you turn around on the back wall, it's like big temp or big painting of like the, the cranes going over Mount Fuji. Okay. Hmm. And that's like the only place where that image exists other than on that tape. Have you, do you have any problem using that? Like if you were to like put out a hard copy of this, do you think there'd be any kind of issue with that? I asked him if I could use it. Oh, nice. He, he's our like coordinator for um, Canada and New York, Buffalo, or Canada and Buffalo. Burke. Yeah, we're talking about um, uh, Nietzsche and Buddhism. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Buddhist. <laughs> okay, I was gonna I was gonna ask, but I was trying to figure out the right way to ask. Anyway, like, so what are you talking about? You know, exactly. uh, <laughs> I, I never know if it's like okay to say it. For a long time, I'd like tell people, and they were just like, "That sounds stupid." So I just don't <laughs> tell people anymore. It's not. No, I mean, Vaishnavism is Hare Krishna, so oh. I, I get being into things that people are kind of like eh, about. Uh, so let's let's talk about that a little bit. Like, what took you down that path? Oh, that's a weird story. I was collecting cans in the middle of the night, and there's like a cult version on Tupper called the Sokagakai of this Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And and they like next to where Price Right used to be a quality up on Elmwood near like Allentown, like Elmwood and North. Um, there was a nail salon and they came out and they were like, oh, we have all these cans for you. And they like invited us in, um, me and my partner at the time. And it was like the middle of the night. And then they were like, philosophy, philosophy. And they had a sutra book. And I was like, I know this. And my dad would chant in the car, like driving me back and forth to school when I was growing up. And I knew that they had been like involved in this Buddhism but it was like very traumatizing to them because of like the cult one. Mm -hmm. like, they made them trade in their object of worship for a better one. And then mm -hmm. that got like destroyed and like it brought like many members like misfortune. Um, because it like cut them off from the, the sect, from the priesthood, from the lineage. Mm -hmm. they, they, it's kind of like when the organization did that, they created like, a, a cheap Japanese genie, basically, like a okay. vending machine Gohanzen. The Gohanzen is, means true object of worship. Mm -hmm. 
So my dad was like, oh, those people um, are not the right one. And my dad doesn't practice anymore, but he led me to like the actual Buddhism mm -hmm. after that. And I had been going to the Soka Gakkai and, and they started to stalk me after I left. And they, they would call me and they'd come to my work. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how that happened. And ever since then, I've, I've like been a Buddhist ever since. And I, and I was like kind of obsessive about it at first because I had like dependent relationships. So like at first I had that dependent relationship on this religion. And like over the years, the more that I practice it, I practice like twice a day, I've just like become an independent person and like I'm able to separate myself from other people and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I've noticed that Eastern philosophies are very, um, very specific with their lineages. Yeah. And sometimes so like, uh, ISKCON, which is the Inter International Society of Krishna's Consciousness started by Srila Prabhupada, you know, in the sixties came to the U S brought Krishna conscious to the West, but there are some who feel that Prabhupada and I don't mean to offend any of my Krishna friends who listen to this. It's just a conversation, but they feel that Prabhupada is bogus and Iskhan is bogus and everyone that Prabhupada has um, initiated as a guru is bogus because there's a, there's a break in the line of gurus. Yeah. Um, cause uh, I forget the name cause I'm terrible at this, but um, I forget, forget the name, but, I believe it's two gurus before Prabhupada said that Krishna came to him in a dream and initiated him and he started this line. So with a materialistic mindset, that's bogus because, you know, the, the, the tradition is guru to disciple, guru to disciple, guru to disciple, not dream to guru to disciple. Mm -hmm. But transcendentally speaking, in my mind, is perfectly acceptable because if you wonder, if you accept transcendence and transcendental thought and transcendental logic, if if the Buddha or Krishna or what have you can come to you on the street, they can also come to you through the dream planes, and then that's a, that is a legitimate form of initiation. So there's there's conflict with some people over that so it's 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 interesting so you talking about how like they broke from the path and they're like that that's not legitimate and there definitely is breaking from the path there's definitely uh levels of like bogus with that you know because you get trapped in the material mind in maya and i'm gonna stop talking now because we're not well, talking it's, about it's maya. a political party it, they, they they're making a lot of money and they're getting a lot of votes for their political party in japan by like, basically using nichiren shoshu as a front for their political party um the, the person who started that his name is daisaku ikeda um but my religion is called nichiren shoshu and we chant nami renge kyo just like the people in the soka gakai do but they're doing it for like materialistic purposes. They'll mm -hmm. go there and they're like, oh, I've been chanting for hours for a better job or for money mm -hmm. or something. And that's how they try to get you in. And they're using, you know, like, it seems like they're using the law of attraction, but mm -hmm. they're like in incredibly unhappy because 
you can, you know, manifest the stuff that you're going to manifest, but you'll get it. And I did when I started chanting and I was just like, Oh, that it's like, it strips away the layers. Cause you get the thing and you're like, that's not making me happy. Mm -hmm. That wasn't actually what I wanted. And you strip down all these layers until you realize you're just living like your true life and you know what you know what you want because it's just like pure. Yeah, you totally. All the layers of desire. And it's like desire is still necessary and exists, but it's in its like pure form and it and it guides your life. Yeah, it's it's pure. desire not in not in the base feeling of need, but like, yeah, like the purity of desire and like that's that's another thing too with Eastern philosophies is reinterpreting Western words to have like a positive take, like a big thing with uh, Vaishnav, Vaishnavism is surrendering. Yeah, and and in the West, surrender has such a negative connotation. Like you're surrendering because you're weak, because something is more powerful than you. You're fearful of it, but it's more of a understanding that there are certain things that you cannot do and the strength in surrendering and trusting someone or something to help you do that. It's more acceptance than, than the stigmatized version yeah. of, well, of surrender. Once another member like put it in those terms for me, like you're surrendering to the Gohans and you're surrendering to the Buddha, I realize that all faith is surrendering, that all mm -hmm. true faith is just like going with the flow of life and you're like you're in control of like how you react to things that's buddhist thought you're in control of how you express yourself but you know you acceptance mm -hmm. you accept things you can't control yeah i mean vaishnava and buddhism are very similar you know uh, coming from similar roots it's just i guess the for lack of a better term the end game is just a little bit different yeah you know, like one one is to return to nothingness, the other is to return to Godhead, but really they're kind of the same thing. It's just interpretation, I guess. Yeah, I see that. I see it's all, it's just like a different name. Everybody's got a different name for it or a different interpretation, mm -hmm. but it, it probably is all the same place. There's only one reality. There's only one mm -hmm. truth. So it, everyone just has a different perception of that truth. Yeah. Uh, so back to Velvet Bethany. <laughs> Man, this is this is making for some really buttery smooth transitions. <laughs> yeah. I I'm not gonna lie, I really like the direction this episode is going. Yeah, no, it's it's this at all. It's Are interesting. Recording this or am I recording this? I'm recording. Recording like the visual part. Uh or the audio. I, I think uh, only, the audio. As a, only as a default because we're recording the audio. Yeah, it, I think it records both, but we never use the visual. Okay, can you send me the visual? Because I want to make like a promo video or something, use it just to have like some content. Sometimes I make like little videos if it's possible. Honestly, here's the thing. Normally, Mark Miller handles, like he he's our den mother and he does all the like actual logistically significant stuff. Uh, he is out visiting friends in the woods or something. And um, he, he just told me to do it and send it to him. So but, that's basically where we're at. I will absolutely uh, take a look at what we're, you know, what we're able to do about the video, but I'm just 
if I had an answer, I would give it to you, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. But we'll certainly try to accommodate that to the best of our ability. All right, cool, thanks. Yeah, no problem. And then no worries either way. I just like yeah. to have content around that I can splice together eventually when I have time. Yeah, we'll figure it out when uh, Mark is done camping or whatever he's doing on honestly, Wednesday night. I couldn't have told you whether this was recording video or audio. Could not have told you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do, I do a lot with um, like Zoom meetings and such. And it's when, you, when you're done with the meeting, it just says like, all right, we're saving it to, you and to your email or your drive or, or whatever. Oh, and so then you'll just get it. Yeah, it'll record the whole thing, the video and audio. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is my first time in the driver's seat of a Zoom meeting. I've been on plenty of them, but I have never actually initiated one. So yeah. it's fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> Learning how to Zoom during the podcast. <laughs> hey, I, I made it work. I'm gonna yeah. Plus, unlike some hosts, I uh, showed up on time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes mark runs late he's he's got two kids and he's works full-time and he's just you know he's got his hands full he does his best and it's usually pretty good awesome but yeah do you, do you know mark i don't think so he's like a 47 year old black dude who he shoots photos at like every show oh okay yeah and I mean, our paths have probably crossed. Was he ever in any bands? Black X. Yeah, he's uh, he he sang for a band called Black X. Um, Is it with um, Elman? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I played with that band. Um, I think we played a show with them at Birdhouse, like five or six years ago. This is like a hardcore band that I was in. Briefly. What band was that? It was called Junk Drawer. Um, is it the Melody Seymour and um, Dan Milanowitz and Josh Smith from Black Dots? We were doing kind of like weird, kind of like like heavier hardcore, but Melody had like a lot of like effects and stuff. And she would like do these weird solos where she would just like hit a bunch of pedals and make a bunch of noise. Um, and uh, have you ever heard the band um, Utah Jazz? That was the band that she was in for like yeah. a time. And um She's in a band now called Coma Ghost. We're um, we're actually going to be playing a show with with them um, at the Wastelands. If you've been to the Wastelands, it's like kind of like an abandoned area where we're doing generator shows. Um, Melody's been doing these shows. Um, I mean, we haven't done it this year, but it's going to be on May 29th with um, Patikia and Muddle, those those two bands that I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Grindhouse show. Wait, we're playing with them? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. This is like a like a live show, like uh people yeah. like things things are opening up in Buffalo, like so that can happen. I mean, it's it's nothing's really opening up because we're doing it in an abandoned field with a generator. So okay. like there are shows going on. Like technically we could play shows at um I wouldn't play indoors though. Milky's. Milky's, there's a group called, what's the promotion group? Yace Booking. Yace Booking. So they made a post being like, hey, we're doing shows at Milky's. It's going to be limited. Um, masks, the whole nine yards. Um, and I emailed him. I'm like, hey, what's going on with these shows? And, and he was just like, 
any date you guys want to play is you got it. I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> interested. I want to do it, but Allison's in school for massage and her program is, is like very structured where if she got COVID, she'd be like screwed. Yes. She has to be in person. So for me, I could, I'm, I'm in school as well for accounting and I could do that remote. So I, I got nothing to lose, but I just don't like the idea of playing shows inside. Like, I don't know. I've, I worked in a restaurant for like the last year and when restaurants would like, and they'd open and they close, like we did takeout for months and months all last year. And then I'm just like, now there's people inside with their masks off and I have to serve them. And they're like coughing as I get to the table. I just not interested in, in like entertainment in, indoors it's not like worth it for me there's also there's such a huge difference between indoors and outdoors and shows where people are standing around watching somebody play versus you know shows where people are climbing on each other yeah it's 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 not so black and white it's very much shades of gray especially in this day and age when you know more than more than half of American adults have gotten vaccinated. So it is fundamentally different than, you know, before that was available or at least as widespread. Yeah, it's, it's accessible. Oh, totally. If people want to, you know, consenting adults want to gather together outside with a mask on and they have access to getting vaccinated, I don't see what's wrong with that. Yeah, yeah a friend of mine um, who lives in New York City, like yourself, um, his sister is a teacher and I guess her bus to work is like packed, like mm -hmm. packed, like shoulder, shoulder, everybody's got masks on. She, um, so be, as a teacher, she got, she gets tested regularly and she had COVID and she didn't even know it. Um, cause she didn't have any symptoms, but she had already yeah. had COVID last year and she had gotten her vaccination. So they're, they're just like, well, you know, maybe either she has immunity or the vaccine's working or whatever, but. I thought that was kind of interesting that, you know, she was, she had no idea she even had it. Um, she tested. Yeah. Her. I mean, when I'm working, I get tested twice a week. Uh, and I've also, I've also had both of my, like I had my second vaccine Thursday. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens with everything. Yeah. I've tested once a week because I'm in school. But, at school. The way that it works isn't just it gives you, you know, it gives you full immunity. To some people it will, but to most people they could still contract it and potentially spread it. But, you know, it's it's going to drastically reduce symptoms or completely eliminate them. So, yeah. and there's there's a whole range of of possible outcomes when you are fully vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, if two people are vaccinated, then they can't really spread it to each other, right? Or they can spread it, but they're not going to die. Basically, the the risk is the risk is very minimal. Mm -hmm. I take a lot of mushroom extracts, and I've been relying on that all year. Just living <laughs> off these mushrooms, and not not psychedelic mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they've really contributed to my health so far. I haven't gotten sick since november 2019 like right when covid probably started surfacing that's that's when we think we got covid it was like before covid was a thing we got really sick that winter yeah. and like it's everyone in my kitchen got sick too like i worked in a restaurant and like it spread so quick 
It was crazy. But yeah, I, I worked with a guy who last early January, he got an upper respiratory infection that was so bad he ended up hospitalized. Wow. And I mean, it was before COVID was really like, you know, before it was known to be everywhere in the States. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been here before since, you know, it's been, it had been spreading for a long time before we figured it out. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> just well new infectious diseases that'll happen where you just have cases pop up like when hiv popped up they had no idea what was causing it they just saw you know they saw kaposi sarcoma hitting uh, a huge number of people especially in the gay community and they were just like no clue wow and uh and then eventually they figured out that it was caused by by hiv so you know but it actually had been in the united states for years before there there were actual you know documented cases of it uh that were current because of the fact that they were just <clears throat> lagging behind so hard epidemiology is pretty pretty uh pretty tough to pin down sometimes that's insane i mean i was i don't think i was even born when that was going on i mean i wonder if it was like a similar sort of thing to what we're experiencing now i mean i guess not. Uh, there wasn't like mass lockdowns and stuff, but there was definitely talk of camps to put uh, people with AIDS in. Oh my god! Because, wow. Because they didn't. Oh yeah, there was definitely that was definitely a thing. They wanted to do camps. Uh, they don't. It doesn't get talked about much. Uh, but I remember, like I specifically remember the talk of the camps. It was it was really sensationalist. Spreading. Mm -hmm. They didn't realize that it wasn't like contagious. I mean, you tell like when it first was making national news or world news, it, as the media sensationalizes things, there were like people were thinking that you would get AIDS off of like surfaces, much like they were saying COVID in the beginning. Uh, like a lot, a lot of the things that were being said about COVID in the beginning is also how the AIDS crisis started. Wow. And the sensationalism wasn't limited to the media, like the, the CDC, their first when they figured out what it was, the first working name for uh, for HIV or for AIDS was actually GRID, which stood for Gay-Related Immune Deficiency, which led to a huge upswing in homophobia. Wow. Shit. I mean, I don't know how much of it was an upswing versus people just being more blatant about it. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, an upswing in intensity versus an upswing in prevalence yeah. is yeah. different yeah. different thing, but... Yeah, the, the sensationalism was pretty much across the board. Yeah, and then people not wanting, like people who may have been exposed to the AIDS virus, not wanting to get an AIDS test because there was also talk of um, listing everyone with AIDS oh in like some kind of like database, like, like you know, the whole like silence equals death thing. Like it, there was, it was crazy for it was a, it wasn't for real long, but it was crazy. That makes me think, like, in the future, you know, how what will we learn about COVID that, like, wasn't it totally true? Like, we just didn't know. You're just, like, sanitize everything. Yeah. I'm sure that, like, there's going to be a lot of things that come out that, like, uh, you know, I'm not going to speculate on what those things are, but I'm sure there's the things are going to come out, like, that, like, oh, this was totally misinterpreted, this was totally made up, or just this just wasn't known. 
you like you see these videos of like people spraying the streets in Italy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Intense. But now they're now they're saying that like uh being outside you're pretty much okay. Yeah. You know, so it's like, but whereas six months ago, even outside, you need to double mask and be six feet away from people running or like riding their bikes in the street with like a mask on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People riding, I don't know how it was there, but people here and there were literally in their cars by themselves with a mask on. Oh, yeah. You'd see that here. I do that because I'm just like getting ready. I'm like, oh, it's one less step I don't have to take when I walk out of my car. Yeah. I have a giant head. So I, uh, I like not to have stuff pulling on my ears because it's, you know, it gets painful after a period of time. That's yeah, why you need one of these. Though, if you want one? You know what? I, I, will, I will trade you a car stereo for it. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to know what we're talking about, the mask, you put the holders that goes around your head and you clip it to yeah, the, your holders. The ear savers. It's funny. I, I was just thinking it would be hilarious if like five years from now, they're like, yeah, it turns out like everybody was doing the fist bump and that's what was spreading COVID. <laughs> yeah. it, wasn't, it goes, it goes right through elbows, right through them. <laughs> it's the weird thing about elbows, the bone, because it's so close to the skin right through. <laughs> I can see that. Washing hands has nothing to do with it. The CDC, they're like, why is it spreading so fast? Everybody's wearing masks denim it attaches to denim and then just seeps right in oh my god or absorbs through the eye or something like that hey where, where do you live in new york city queens queens oh, in astoria what's um, that he said your temple is in queens my temple is also in oh, queens. i i just made that she i said oh chris lives in queens because they were asking if we were going to do it in person or what and i oh. i said well, that wouldn't really work because Chris lives in Queens. She's like, oh, my temple's in Queens. I said, oh, his temple is too, which was a joke, but also maybe correct. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just So, yeah, no, that's, there's, there is a, there is a um, Durga temple that I go to sometimes that is in Queens and it has, it, it kind of covers everybody. Um, but Krishna specific temples, there's one in Brooklyn, there's one in Manhattan, there is one in Queens, but I don't know where. Uh, I think that's it. There's only one Nichiren Shoshu temple in this area, and then the other one is in it's in Flushing, Queens. That makes sense. The other one's in DC, and then there's one in Chicago. So they're okay. really far. When we go on tour, we I try to go like visit a temple. Like every time I go to DC, I try to go to that temple there. And then every time I go to New York, I spend a lot of time there at the temple. I'm gonna be in Flushing tomorrow. I'll have to uh, see if I can figure out where it's at and if it's open. Some places are open and some places aren't. Like I worked uh, last week. I worked um, near that Durga temple, and it was open. But like I'm pretty sure that the uh the Bhakti Center and the Brooklyn Temple, I don't think either of those are open, but I'm not hundred percent. We do a broadcast like every day ever since COVID started. We do like a live like Zoom call broadcast mm-hmm. because we're I, I can't foresee it opening up anytime soon. So we just like chant with our pre mm-hmm. on Zoom every day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so what what uh, other Velvet Bethany stuff do we have? Because we got to wrap this up soon. Because I gotta get for to sure. the floor for work. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the lyrical themes that I find really interesting, pretty prevalent, is that you bring up a lot of women's issues, do such I? as like the song the song Creeps, for example. Oh, yeah. That's not really like those aren't problems that I have. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. Or you know, are you sure? I mean, look at that hair. Are you sure? <laughs> it is. It is kind of <laughs> kind of pretty. Um, but yeah, I mean, the song "Creeps" or like there there are a lot of things that kind of go toward your uh, your agency as a human being, or like having even just having people take you seriously, which I feel is maybe at least tangentially related to that. Yeah, being taken seriously, that's a theme. I, I don't know like what where you might find that or gauge from that, but like I, I've been like an immature person for a long time and like trying to like gonna get in the music scene, I'm gonna get in there. And now I'm just like, oh, I just have to relax because I felt like nobody ever took me seriously because I was like forcing people to take me seriously. Just like forcing myself to exist as a woman in a community. And I like didn't have to do that. And like, it's not like I talk about women's issues on purpose. It's like, I'm a woman and these are my experiences. So you're gonna hear my experiences. Maybe some women don't have the same experiences, but like a lot of women, you know, like one in four women experience sexual abuse or domestic abuse. The songwriting being, coming from your point of view, like. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm just talking about what I see, you know? Life, like creeps yeah. i'm just like oh there's that guy over there that i saw or that you know like um what is the cooking at the walk slapping slapping your ass like one of my co-workers you know i worked in like i worked in a vietnamese restaurant for a long time and they were just they really liked slapping this girl's butt and she didn't have a problem with it but i was like that's a good line yeah you know, they'd be like allison can we slap your butt and mike would be like no we worked in the same restaurant yeah Um, but it was like weird if they just called you to ask you that question if you didn't uh, yeah yeah no they and they uh, and they would ask me can i slap can they slap my ass and i was like no no (laughs) but i was like it it wasn't like a big deal It, it was just like oh that you know i'm sure this actually happens to people in like a non-consensual way and maybe it, somebody will relate to it and it's a cool thing lyric anyways well the spoken part before that too is you know the 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 creep story that that's before the song that's also a bit troubling remember yeah i had always wanted to start like a podcast with my friend we lived your we roommates and i would record our conversations and and that was one that like really stuck out to me. I'm like, oh man, I wonder how I can like use this one day. And she's just like, I don't want anyone to know it's me though. So that's how that happened. Like, oh, this will fit in with this song. Yeah. Um, so you didn't want anybody to know it was you. So then you put it out with your your band. That's you. No, it's not me. Oh, the friends. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, your my, friend didn't want. Yeah, my friend didn't want anyone to know it was her. But but we like recorded our conversations all the time and I was like where can I like fit all these bits and pieces and I'm like oh because we never made a podcast I'm like oh well I can put it in like my music and I like asked her if, if it was okay and she's just like yeah just cut out all the gory details you know it's like a vague intro like and he did what he did yeah and fuck that guy yeah it was the first time I heard that I was 
you know, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty uncomfortable. But I think that's, that's a good thing to introduce as far as uncomfortable conversations go. Just to, you know, bring about more, more awareness to the fact that that actually is maybe not something you see every day, but something that some people see more than never, which is a problem. Let's say like it might even be a thing that some people do see every day, or at least like in specific, like in certain situations, that's a regular occurrence and, and more people need to be aware of that kind of thing. No doubt. Yeah, it's happening all the time. People don't understand what consent is. I got a tidbit about Allison and her songwriting. So Allison has really lucid dreams. All right. And um, sometimes like, I want to say every day she's like telling me about a dream. I'm just like, no, I can't listen to this dream <laughs> what you're talking about right now. But a lot of the songwriting is like it's all my dreams. It's like it's it's based on what her dream was. So like it which is weird because I feel like a lot of the songs are very relatable in a weird way. They're metaphors. I'll like spit out a dream and it will just be like there were a bunch of purple blotches on everything and like they were three tornadoes and a train wreck. And I'm just like, there's a virus coming. There will be three waves of consciousness that will in intrude upon society. And there will be one derailment. <laughs> like every dream is like a metaphor. In, in another time, you would be like an oracle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. So, so Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say that it always it it makes it easy for me because like I've never been good at writing lyrics. So like Allison's just like it's just like easy. So yeah, like the, here's the music. It's just like I know she's gonna write the lyrics and like the song Salt, that's a dream. Um Dolphin Diner was a dream. There actually is no such thing that like Dolphin Diner doesn't exist in my life. There's like an exit on the highway somewhere on the way to New York City, like in the middle of New York. And there's a diner called Dolphin Diner. And I'm just like, that's that place I had a dream about. I'm just gonna name it. And it's it's just like, there's a TV screen and I'm like laying in bed in my dream and I'm like trying to cover up my, my face because there's just like a flaming tornado on this TV screen and it's releasing like the worst frequency ever. And I'm like, I can't, I can't escape and I can't turn off the TV because I've like always been afraid of the dark and and I would like leave a television on because I didn't want to like get up out of bed. I'd just be like paralyzed in bed with like the covers over my head and I would just leave the television on all night. But after um, I started getting acupuncture, I was no longer afraid of the dark. I think hmm. it was a ladder meridian thing. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I've yeah, that is interesting. It. <laughs> yeah but when i probably when i like talk about my dreams it just sounds like a bunch of bullshit like vague weird stuff i'm trying to string together but then when i like write a song about it it's like cohesive some of the stuff i don't really understand what it means but i still like it like i don't know what the line you're a big tray of half-eaten pancakes means <laughs> that song <laughs> that song is a, a fucking earworm I don't know. It's like, I am not finished eating yet. Like I'm not finished with this experience yet. And so I've run out of syrup and I need more because you're so sweet. I'm just like, there's still more to go 
give me some more <laughs> syrup for this experience. There's still more to this. Let me like sweeten it up some more. It's 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 a, it's an interesting like line because it could be, I guess, like depending on a person's perspective of pancakes is how they feel about that song. Like, so like you're saying that it's like any more syrup so I can finish this experience. Whereas I'm just like, oh, I can't eat any more pancakes. I don't even actually really like them that much. Oh, yeah. well, Mike, I'll tell you this. If somebody wrote that song for me, <laughs> that'd be, that'd be pretty all right. You can, you can hang your hat on that. Oh yeah. I mean, she predicted a couple things in that song. Like for example, we both drive Japanese cars now and we didn't before. <laughs> um, that's a line in the song. Um, we got a couch and a TV. Yeah. We didn't we, have like, we didn't live together at the point. We didn't I have never a TV. had a we television. We didn't have a couch before that. Yeah. I had like a weird futon from the Scientology man. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my God, this is a couch. It just appeared like two days ago. Yeah, yeah she was she was telling me like two days ago that they were just that they were just about to get a couch. There's a giant sectional across the street from me that somebody put out on their on their yard. So it's a nice couch. Thanks. It's a good color. For those who can't see, Allison just pulled the camera back to show the, the new couch. Thank you, Catherine. Shout out to Catherine. She's the <laughs> finding the couch and delivering it. She's full of resources. Catherine Pesico. She's like an all-American, no, she's the all-American city, the all-America city of Buffalo. She loves Buffalo. And she's just like connecting people, getting people stuff. She does the free food, the free fridge. And it's like a fridge on Herkimer, a fridge on uh, East Ferry. And she's just like popping up fridges all over the place. Yeah, I've heard about those. She sounds terrific. Yeah, and giving great. me couches. Is she from Buffalo originally or is she a transplant? She's from Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, Catherine. Um, yeah, she's she's another one who's been like, like going, she's like, I've seen her at shows for like ever. And and maybe she she wouldn't be like a, like you wouldn't see her at like every show, but I've seen her like going to shows for a long time. One of those folks. So. A show goer. She's a show goer. <laughs> show goer. <laughs> well, speaking of shows, uh, what are your plans for the future? If, if this all kind of, I, I know you said that you have your show in a field on a generator coming up, but do you guys plan on getting back after it when you're able to? I know, Allison, you were recently telling me that you kind of took some time off from playing. Yeah, I mean, for the whole year, I was just like traumatized and like, I can't imagine ever playing music again. I don't want to, I, I don't even know what I would say to people after like all the things that happened in 2020. I, I just like, and at this point I'm like, I think I'm just gonna play and not talk anymore because I'm like such a nervous person on stage anyways. I'm like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't have to like, I don't have to say stuff. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I don't have to talk about politics. I'm gonna get it wrong if I do. I'm just going to play because that's what I'm good at. Yeah. And I mean, all the best bands, like you go see like your favorite band and like half the time they're not saying anything. It's just, they're going to, they play their song and then they play the next song. And then at the oh, very, I, end, you know, I wish that was true of hardcore. Well, was not. They all have something to say. Yeah. I was always like, man, that, that person really inspired me. They're so powerful. How do I, 
how do I like get really amped up about stuff and like talk about it? But I can only do it on the internet. <laughs> and you know, sometimes that the like that your record Bliss City, it doesn't it doesn't need between song banter. Like those songs, those songs stand on their own. They don't need between song banter. They don't need any like pomp or circumstance. The songs like speak for themselves. Yeah, yeah. probably fly with fly through it with like a couple seconds of uh, chit chatty bullshit while you retune. I like to make jokes. I'm good. Not enough people make jokes between songs, so that's fully acceptable between song banter. That can go off the rails too. <laughs> yeah, but at least it'll be kind of funny to someone. And not uh, not on like ironically funny to everyone. Come on, give me a hug. I mean, oh, I I could answer that question a little bit more too. I like I think we're gonna like in the future we're gonna be playing more. You know, hopefully we're gonna be touring more. Um, I mean, we were gonna go on tour in March last year. The the week before we were like, I don't know if this tour is going to happen. And then it was like the first show got canceled because... Yeah, they just kept canceling them every day. Some of them were like, oh, we still want to go on with it, but we think people are really freaked out and they won't show up. Well, the, the first show that was canceled, it was at a record store and the the owner's wife had like MS or something like that. And they're like, yeah, mm. too dangerous. Yeah. And then it was like one after the other mm-hmm. from that point on. Because Yeah, I was... I'm sorry, God. No, it was a, you guys know at that time it was just like it was like all of a sudden it was like it changed. Yeah. People were like, yeah, oh, like I was I was yeah. in Buffalo like right before everything went crazy. And I was staying with Rob Bob and I was joking that like, oh what if I what if I brought COVID with me? And then like everything started shutting down. I was like, <laughs> bad joke, bad timing. Oh man. But we're gonna be playing a show, a festival that got canceled last year and is rescheduled for August 29th. It's at Central Terminal. I don't know if maybe that will be canceled again. I don't know. It seems at least here, things are opening back up. Like gyms are at 50%. uh, Restaurants are at 75. They're now allowing people to sit at bars inside at the bar. Uh, Like things are opening back up here. And I imagine that that's going to start spreading across the state. Yeah, Buffalo has been ahead of New York City's pace as far as reopening just because of the density, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, like you guys have seen, like they're they're already booking all these festivals in like Las Vegas and oh, really? California. Yeah, yeah like, huge festivals. Wow. The yeah, punk rock bowling in September, like they're going ahead with that. A lot of those are outdoors, which is a little bit yeah. a little bit different. But yeah, it's it is cool to see, you know, at least planning to get stuff back up and running. Because mm-hmm. I guess I wish that people wouldn't mosh. And it like bums me out that people are like like even outside. I'm like, why? Well, why, why? Maybe you shouldn't write such heavy ass shit. <laughs> maybe, I should, like, maybe I should be also, like no moshing. Let me let me let me frame it like this. What would you do if you were 18 years old and you hadn't been to a show ever I or in like a, the last year? Yeah, I'd be going crazy. Like I when I was 18, I was like, I was jumping on people. <laughs> I think I'm 38 and I I still. Uh, up until the last show that I went to, jumped on people and had people jump on me. So I mean, I'm I'm a million, and if it's the right band, I still jump on people. So it's it's a thing that doesn't leave until your body gives out on it. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't 
mean like I don't wish people wouldn't mosh in general. I just yeah. right now, please. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, no, it's not the time. That makes perfect sense. Come around and, and like I, the corner. And I was just, and I guess the point I was just trying to make was like teenagers are gonna do whatever the fuck they want to do, especially if they're punk rockers. You know, I sure did. Yeah. <laughs> That's what punk is. You can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean then people are really pushing it with that too like that that's what it is to them that like i do whatever i want yeah you know which isn't right necessarily right but that's how you I know i figure we should probably button things up but uh in the spirit of the great dead mother mark miller <laughs> i guess the, the thing that we usually ask to to close stuff out is would you have any any ideas, any recommendations, any suggestions as far as uh, who you might like to see, you know, us reach out to for an interview for you know for for this podcast? Like uh, if this like if this was a podcast you regularly listen to, who would you want to hear on it? That's tough. I'm out of the loop. That's tough. I mean, I mean, I would love to hear the guys from. I would love to hear the guys from Gas Chamber together. Um, did you ever see that band when they were around? Pat Bulger. Yeah, Pat is Pat's a, a fucking. He's the most gentle man in the world. And then you put him on a stage, and he's a psycho. It's great. Yeah, they're, they're running for cover cool. is one of my favorites. Oh yeah, I and I never got to see them. They were like a little bit. They were like a few years before my time, and I I love Gas Chamber. And they're great. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I totally took that one. Um, I got a tape for a, a person who's in a band called uh, Star Juice recently, and their band are. She was my downstairs neighbor named Sydney. Star Juice. Yeah, she was in a movie called Sometimes, Always, Rarely, Never. I might get. I might get that wrong. But she's in a cool punk band right now um, with a couple of our friends, and I, I feel like I represent them partially in a way because I put out their tapes, and I just want to send them you yeah, yeah. away. No, that's cool. I mean, one of the things that we really we recognize as a whole, uh, it's it's a whole in our approach, is that because we have done so much that's hardcore centric, the unfortunate fact is that, you know white men are disproportionately represented in the hardcore scene in Buffalo in, in particular. And, you know, we'd like to get a wider range of voices, you know, like it's, it's cool to talk to a woman who has different experiences than, you know, a bunch of, you know, 20 to 40 year old, you know, white dudes that are just. I would also recommend reaching out to like Pop Pop then or Tina Panic Noise. They've been uh, women in like playing in the punk scene, like playing different genres of music for a really long time. Like as long as me, maybe. I don't know if you're familiar with them. So Hot Pop is Jazz Frazier, uh, Tina Panic Noise, and Sydney Flanagan from Star Juice. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And definitely thank you guys for being on. What were you going to say, Alex? I'm sorry. I was, Mike looked like he had something to say. No, I, I, I mean, I was just going to thank you guys. Like, was, this is fun. It's nice, yeah. nice to meet you guys. Well, that's good because when I was talking to Allison, she said, and I quote, this better be fun. 
<laughs> made me a little bit nervous. Made me a little bit nervous. You're like, I'm like, it better be. <laughs> oh, it, it is. And getting to talk about cults and Scientology and everything just makes it that much more so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you ever, if you guys ever want to do this again, keep us in mind. Yeah. I mean, if you have something new coming out, you want to, you know, plug it a little bit. Do you have on that subject, do you guys have anything that you want to plug as far as any projects you're involved in? Um, I started a new project called Jupiter MC with my friend who is also a Buddhist. Her name's Lena. And we chant together and she has always wanted to make music, but she's got kids. So we recorded three songs in January and we're going to record like three more next month. And um, I pretty much like I'm doing all the writing of the songs and she's singing and Mike is playing drums and uh, doing, doing the bass parts. It's like more of a recording project, but she wants to play shows and we're recording with Doug White again. Um, it's kind of jazzy, but still it's like, you know, rock and roll, but there's some like jazzy stuff going on. A lot of interesting modalities. Is that anywhere where people can check it out or is that something people need to keep their eyes open for in the future? No, I'd like to release something like by the end of the summer, but we're still working on cool. our material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so keep a, keep a lookout. It'll it'll be released under the Velvet Bethany name, even though it's going to be Jupiter MC. We're gonna we'll probably create like a new Spotify, a new Bandcamp, but we'll have it on both because it'll be like right. Bethany Jupiter MC, just to kind of get the ears on it. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Sounds like an interesting project. Yeah. I mean, we, we really appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, talk to us about all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I hope anybody who's listening who is not familiar with you guys uh, takes a minute to go hit your, you know, your band camp, your Spotify, uh, whatever it might be, and check out what you're doing, because I, I think it's some really interesting stuff. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for being on. Like, I, definitely, I, I uh, echo Alex on that. Definitely check out the Spotify. Definitely check it out. It's definitely good stuff to get into. I don't want to see you again. Why'd you call me here? That was wrong of you. I don't want to see you again. Why'd you call me here?